the more you talk about DC Strokes, the more I'm like, I'm moving to DC. Let's go. Where, where's the next spot? <laughs> I love that. Hello and welcome to the Gay Ergos podcast. I'm Lizzie Houston, and after a roller coaster of a year and a half, I am officially now not single. Kira, take it away. <laughs> my name is Kira O'Sullivan, and my sexuality is an A-frame Airbnb in the mountains of Vermont. And we are so happy for Lizzie and no longer being a lost soul out there. But that's not even the most exciting thing about this podcast. Yay. Yay. We actually, we have a really exciting guest with us today. Philip Carlisle, would you like to introduce yourself? I guess I should. Yes. Uh, My name is Philip Carlisle. I'm the interim president of DC Strokes Rowing Club. And I have had a coach refer to me as a human metronome which is funny to me because I'm a harpist and have the worst rhythm of anyone I've ever met. Uh, But I'm very happy to be here. I'm so happy for you, Lizzie. Uh, And I will stop talking now. (laughs) Well, this is your pod. So this is your episode. So we're going to have you talk the most. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, I know I'm super excited for us for you to join us. Um, actually it's really great timing. Not only is it pride month, but you guys at DC strokes, you just hosted the Stonewall regatta. And I did not know that this race existed for a really long time, which just breaks my whole heart. And I've always, it's on my list. It's like on top of my list of races like that. I have to go race. Um, so I would love to hear so much. How did this race come to be? Can you tell us a little bit about yes, it? I want to know. Absolutely. Everything. Oh, this is going to get heavy. I think, oh no, I'm going to start off with a real grim topic in the early 1990s. Uh, it was not great to be an out LGBTQ plus rower, no matter where you were. And a lot of folks at regattas were nasty. Uh, They said nasty things uh, on the Potomac where we were rowing at the time. Uh, Sometimes they still do say nasty things at different regattas that we go to. We're the oldest and one of the largest LGBTQ plus rowing clubs in the country. And people uh, weren't always pleasant. So kind of in response to that, uh, we started our own club. Shortly after that, we started our own regatta. It's the start of the sprint season for a whole lot of folks, especially up and down the East Coast. And I don't, I'm very bad at counting how many years we've been doing it. And if you read our website, it does not clarify how many (laughs) exactly. It's either 28 or 29, somewhere in there. I don't know if we're counting the two years we didn't have it because of COVID, but it was still online. I should know this, I don't but it's definitely coming up on 30 years. Uh, so we're very excited to continue to host it and to be back in person. Uh, and uh, I guess it's a plug, even though it's already happened. Uh, we had a record number of small boats participate. Uh, it's something we've always wanted more of both within our club and the regatta. And we had a whole heck of a lot of small boats competing, which I think is really excellent. So we're pleased, we're looking forward to next year. It could be the 30th, who knows? Uh, I'm sure we will milk that uh, for all it's worth. And at some point in time, it'll be the 30th in-person regatta. And so we've got a lot of room to work with there. But it was a great time. We give out wine uh, and <gasps> medals. If you win, you get a bottle of wine. So if, oh, if you really need <laughs> That is gay as hell. I am going to train it. so hard for this race next year. Kira, you have no hit idea. Up, hit up the double. <laughs> 
watch out world we're coming for the stonewall we're gotta win wow (laughs) that's so cool i love that congratulations on a huge year i mean the most entries in small boats that's awesome that's so cool thank you oh i love you know did so did dc stroke start the regatta obviously how did it just expand and obviously dc strokes has grown through the years more people are learning about it tell us a little bit more about that how how have you kind of spread the message of we've got this regatta going we you know we started this club we are a bunch of lgbtq athletes allies things like that like tell us more about that i'm really i'm really interested in hearing more yeah so we started in 1991 i know that year we started in 1991 <laughs> uh, we were founded by a group of uh, members of front runners uh, who wanted a different way to exercise and so we were started by a group of LGBTQ plus folks. And very early on, it was borrowed equipment or heavily used equipment, but that didn't last for long. Within a couple of years, uh, we had our own equipment. Uh, We had really expanded our membership. I don't know if we are at the height of membership or if we were at the height a number of years ago. Been rowing with the club since I participated in a learn to row in the summer of 2018. Uh, so compared to many, I'm a baby rower, but I, I love the club. So this is my only exposure uh, to rowing, but I'm grateful for our coaches and our instructors for always being patient with me. I hope they hear this if this clip makes it in, because then they'll think, oh, Philip really is grateful. Uh, but in any case, uh, we've been around for over 30 years now. A lot of it is truly just through word of mouth, although I guess in the recent years, like Facebook ads and Instagram ads, something that's really, really common is that someone will row, whether with us or with a boathouse on the Potomac River or a boathouse on the Anacostia River, which is where we're at. Uh, and here's a prime example. A woman was rowing, uh, I believe a straight woman, was rowing with a nearby club out of our same boathouse. And she reached out to a gay male friend of hers and said, I think there's a gay club here because there are a lot of gay men in this club. And so I don't know (laughs) if it was like a a matchmaker sort of thing or just trying to broaden her friend's uh, friend group, but she gave him our information just so he could learn about an opportunity. So he did a learn to row with us this summer. He's now one of our novice rowers. Uh, He's volunteering an awful lot. Uh, and so it's, it's like that. It's, it's not so much that we're on massive listservs or that we have this, you know, always reliable pool of folks we're going to. Although this past weekend, we were at DC's Capital Pride and Memorial Day weekend, we were at DC's Black Pride. Um, in previous years, we've exhibited at Trans Pride, which is not happening, uh, did not happen this year, uh, but we're hopeful for next year. Uh, we would like that next year. So if you are involved with Uh, DC's trans pride and you want help organizing it let me know Uh, but in any case we we like to get in front of different LGBTQ plus audiences whether that's at bars or restaurants or I know that we're branching out into there's a new queer uh, LGBTQ plus space that's a cafe and coffee shop during the day and a bar at night for folks who aren't necessarily interested uh, in drinking and socializing Uh, so we try different things uh, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And we like to learn from that. That's so cool. That's <laughs> awesome. It's so, I wish we could like, I mean, we're a podcast, you can't see, but like our fate, we're just beaming the whole time you're talking about this because 
I mean, we've talked about it before, Lizzie and I, we come from very different spaces growing up in rowing world. Lizzie, your experience was a little more like LGBTQ queer friendly and mine was never really not friendly, but I very much so felt like I was an only at a lot of points in this sport. And like to, to see that there's a space where it's like, this is a community. <laughs> this is actually, it's, it's a rowing club, but it's also a, a LGBTQ community. And they just both happen to be existing in the same place. And that's so cool. Like it feels so foreign, but it's so, so cool. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that, that's, that was my goal in starting like the, the meme page. It was just like, there's no, I, I mean, when I, I didn't know about DC strokes until probably this past year, I feel like I've heard, maybe heard a little bit, but then I was like, well, why is there no space for this? And, or why isn't there at least like any kind of media presence that I could see? So to kind of know and you know bring more attention to DC Strokes and having people know that there is this available space to them. I mean, obviously you're located in DC, but you know branching out maybe in the future, are there going to be other clubs? Or if you're in the DC area, you don't know how to row yet, but you're interested in learning and you're LGBTQ plus. I think that's like, this is some awesome awareness to, to bring to people. I, I am also curious, I don't care. I don't know if you have any more questions, but I'm really curious, Philip, on how you like wanted to start rowing in 2018. Like, I, I mean, that's awesome. That was totally my next question. Okay, Way to read perfect. my mind. <laughs> Kindred spirit. Yeah. So I would be remiss if I did not plug uh, our social media uh, profiles. You mentioning that uh, we are very active on Instagram, DC Strokes Rowing. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Uh, but as far as uh, joining rowing, I have always really enjoyed being on the water. I used to live just outside of Boston uh, and I would go out on the Charles in a uh, kayak because I'm not the most steady person when it comes to uh, boats. I'd go out in a kayak and it just felt great to be out on the water. I would do it, I used to live in Michigan and I would do that occasionally too. Uh, but the Charles River is so nice, it's hard not to love it. And so when I, I moved from Boston down to DC and I wanted to find a community and I wanted to find something that was LGBTQ plus friendly, I should also say it's certainly a lot of LGBTQ plus people, but we also have a lot of allies who row with us. We have straight men, straight women, uh, straight men and women who are married. Um, some of our coaches are LGBTQ+, plus. some are straight. It really is open to anyone who supports our mission. Uh, but so I wanted, I wanted community. And I went to Capital Pride, uh, which has a festival, which was just yesterday uh, in DC. But I went there in 2018. And there was a whole section of all these teams or you know, sports activities for LGBTQ plus people. And so, you know, there was dodgeball and there was kickball and there was rugby, uh, which none of you can see what I look like. But if I played rugby, my bones would be shattered right now. Uh, but there were all these sports and I saw that there was a rowing table and it just clicked instantly. I didn't even go over to the sailing table. And I hope no one from the uh, queer sailing group in DC hears this. I didn't even go over to them because just the idea of being in a boat with other folks sounded so great. And so I signed up and a week later I was in um, our post pride learn to row class. Uh, Cause we always do at least one 
immediately after Pride to capitalize on all those folks. And I just loved it. I, I loved making friends. I loved that it was, yes, uh, a sport. And also at the same time, yes, something that was surrounded by LGBTQ plus people. But it wasn't a type of sport where you show up for an hour and half your teammates are trash which can sometimes happen, not, not with rowing. I hope not with rowing, uh, but it can happen with like, I'm just gonna say dodgeball and kickball and bocce and arts and all these other teams that are very popular in DC. There are 43 teams in DC that from pickleball to bowling uh, and some are more serious than others. And I wanted something that was a bit more serious and I wanted something where it could be sport time and then after sport time, community time where you didn't necessarily have to navigate the fact that, you know, people are showing up with different objectives uh, to play kickball. So that's my plug for, for rowing as a, as a gay sport. I love that. That's awesome. I didn't even know there were like fairs to find sports. <laughs> I feel like it's like career fair, but for gay sports. <laughs> It really is. There are other hosting one in Boston. Wow. Oh, I love that so much. And I think, you know, you kind of touched on it. This is a sport where you kind of, you can't really show up and like, you can't be a drinking team with a rowing problem and have a good time. (laughs) Um, But I think you're not going to go straight. (laughs) No. Well, you know, a a difficult direction for us, but um, (laughs) um, I think, you know, that's actually a really big problem in the LGBTQ community is this idea of, you know, alcoholism is a really tough thing. And I think like I when I think of spaces for, you know, queer folks to meet up, it's mainly gay bars and finding the fact that DC has this whole scene of athletic spaces, it, it kind of takes down this barrier of anyone who feels like they can't connect because they don't want to drink or they're afraid to connect with people in athletic spaces because I mean, masculinity and the idea of the fact that your club sounds like it's predominantly gay men. It must be a haven. Like (laughs) we, we haven't really had the chance to talk to that many people on this podcast about the difficulty of being a gay man, because I mean, we are not gay men and we don't know that many. So (laughs) I think, I think if, if you want to talk on that a little bit, I don't know if you have a lot of thoughts on that, but. I do have thoughts. Uh, Let me order them. As Carrie Fisher once said, I think in my mouth, that's a nice sound bite. But I think what's really nice is I use this term a lot among both my straight friends, straight male friends and uh, gay male friends is I think in a lot of ways I'm drawn to a a soft masculinity or or a kind masculinity. Uh, I have, I call them my straight upstairs neighbors. (laughs) They're these two straight men who live uh, two floors above me and they're kind, gentle people. And there's, if there's no toxicity in, in their masculinity that I've ever experienced. I mean, they're handy and they've got like, one of them has a mustache and they go camping and hiking and biking for like way too many miles. I, my feet would be uh, dead by then. But I'm drawn to people who can embrace this kind, gentle uh, masculinity. Uh, and I think while there are certainly a lot of rowers who are probably a lot more traditionally masculine and I love them too. I think with rowing, you get a lot of folks who 
I mean, you've got to be gentle with a boat or you're going to destroy it. And so I know that there's toxic masculinity in every piece of our society. And I know that it's common uh, in rowing because DC Strokes has experienced homophobic slurs regularly for decades. And so that's still there, but it's really nice that there is a space where you can come together and you can make jokes about water sports and you can make jokes about, you know, make sure your hands on the shaft, you know, all the things that I'm sure are said a lot, but that you can make it and then you can move on. And because it's, I mean, we are predominantly uh, gay men, uh, although we have plenty of lesbian and bisexual women, uh, we have rowers who, you know, use they, them pronouns or identify as non-binary. But beyond all of that, it's just nice to have a space where you can be yourself no matter what, because no one in the entire club uh, is going to judge you for it. Uh, and if someone else in our boathouse is going to judge you for it, uh, well, they're going to have a problem. That sounds so threatening. Oh my. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's coming for you. <laughs> You're homophobic. Watch out. <laughs> well, okay. So DC Strokes exists. I think there's only two other known LGBTQ specific clubs in the country. I don't know if you know of any others. I might have so- to whip out Google too. <laughs> I will say some words and you can fact check them after the fact. Uh, There is DC Strokes. Uh, There is Chicago Rowing Union out of Chicago. Um, To my knowledge, there was the San Francisco Beyblades, which I believe is now defunct. If they exist, we have tried to get a hold of them about their car's extended warranty. Uh, We can't (laughs) find them. Uh, I believe, and again, I hope I'm not wrong. I believe that they... Uh, merged in perhaps with a with a local club I think that's more and more common uh I think I don't know maybe with our like I was saying with our membership numbers I don't know if we were once a lot bigger and we're on the decline um but I do know that there are fewer LGBTQ plus rowing clubs globally than there were a few years ago which is not a good thing if you are one of those rowing clubs Uh, But I do think there's a positive spin, which I won't put on it, but someone could say, you know, it's really positive that folks can join a straight rowing club and have a good time because that's important. It's important that people find community, uh, whether it's a queer space or not, that people find community and feel comfortable. But I do wonder and I do worry and I do not know if, you know, there's an expiration date on clubs like DC Strokes or on clubs like Chicago Rowing Union or on clubs like the Otters, I believe, uh, which I, I wanna say is it's either Australia or the UK. Uh, there, there are a couple of others um, outside the US, but I, I wonder, and I don't mm. know. And I think there's an importance for clubs like ours. I think that I hope there will always be somewhere where folks who are LGBTQ plus rowers, whether it's like an affinity boat where they put out like a queer eight every once in a while, or whether it's a standalone club, I think that matters. And so I hope it's not going away, Uh, but the more society society, uh, accepts folks and the more 
progress there's made, whether it's on a you know, interpersonal and relationship basis or as far as legislation, I think that's a good sign in a lot of ways. But, you know, it doesn't keep me awake at night, but I hope that a club like DC Strokes will be around for decades more. But who knows? Who knows what tomorrow will hold? Who knows if there's another pandemic coming down the pipeline? We'll have to wait and oh see. God, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Just put that energy out there. I'm going to knock on <laughs> Knock on something. <laughs> so um, you do you have your own boathouse or your own space just, just dedicated to you? Or are you out of a different club down in D.C. as well? And you just have a space for yourself? So uh, we share a boathouse. Uh, we're at Anacostia River, the Anacostia okay. Community Boathouse Association. So we, there are four bays and like one bay is mostly ours. Uh, there are another couple of high schools um, in the area that split it. Uh, Capital Rowing Club, uh, which is a larger rowing club. Uh, Capital Rowing Club has, I don't know how many bays they have. I'll say two, maybe one and a half. Uh, they're certainly bigger than DC Strokes, but it's nice to also have that broader community of like, you know, when we have the Stonewall Regatta, the volunteers aren't just us. The volunteers are someone who's going to be doing timekeeping at Capital Sprints in a month. This is not an ad. Uh, they're going to be doing timekeeping at Capital Sprints in a month. Um, and they've never done timekeeping before. And so they were sent to volunteer at our timekeeping tent. Uh, so that way our folks can help kind of train them up. And so there's, you know, it's the Anacostia Community Boathouse Association. There is a community. There are, you know, cleaning days and there are these other things, but largely a lot of the clubs, whether they're high school, masters rowing, adaptive rowing, whatever it might be, uh, they've got their own kind of bubbles and then, or circle, like a Venn diagram. Uh, and then the circles overlap at certain parts. Uh, but we do, we, we share a boathouse with other folks. That's awesome. You got your own space though, to, to really just be, be yourselves and be open. I love that. Oh, that's so cool. I think rowing hubs are so important. Like having, and, and, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, so biased, uh, one of the biggest rowing hubs in the country, you know, Boston could argue they're large. They might be bigger. I don't know. Lizzie, do you think, eh. but um, I don't know. I think they're, they're pretty, they're both yeah. massive, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes and, on the Charles, I feel like you can't move. <laughs> no. And just, just being in a space where I, I know I can come home to Philly and walk along Boathouse Row and I'm going to run into at least one person I know. And I, I love that your club can exist in a space as a Venn diagram. Like you said, you know, we are here, we have each other and we have this broader community to tap into. I, I don't know how anyone functions as a lone boathouse. <laughs> I've never been to one and I can only imagine it's, it's tough. I, I have friends who have coached at them and been in spaces like that at universities that are in the middle of nowhere. And they're just like, these kids, their athletes don't even know. They don't even know how they how much opportunity there is out there. So I, I think it's so neat that, you know, you might have a kid on the Capitol crew team who doesn't know themselves fully yet. And then one day comes out and says, I know I have a place to go. I know I have a home to be at if I need it. That's so good. My heart is just glowing this whole interview. Oh my God. No, it, it is it is so wonderful. And I do, I actually do want to pick your brain a little bit about um, your perspective on kind of if if you're seeing these spaces kind of dwindle. Do you think that's a good or a bad thing? I mean, obviously we want the representation, but with maybe the normalizing of 
I'm just a gay person in this community. And these people around me, whether they're straight, whether they share the community with me, but we're all comfortable in this space together. Um, I'm curious just kind of how, how you're kind of, how your view is on that. I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit, like we do want these spaces. And I very, very much agree with you, but with the direction that we're kind of going in, at least in certain hubs, I mean, Boston is so like, it's so liberal <laughs> and like there are so many places that are, but obviously we, we still have spaces out there that aren't. Um, so just kind of curious to touch on that a little bit more. Yes. So I will use, I'll do two examples. One example I would use uh, because I do enjoy going out to bars and clubs uh, is there are fewer gay bars in DC than there were when I moved here almost five years ago. The, I mean, certainly COVID, uh, but before COVID, uh, the number was going down. Some have opened up. That's great. Um, you know, there are some new ones and hopefully they stick around. But so I think for this very tortured metaphor I'm about to give, I think it really does come back to, is it important to have a dedicated space? And is there, are there the numbers? Is there the money? Is there the whatever necessary to support that? Uh, and so, you know, if I wanted to start a LGBTQ plus rowing club in a lot of cities in this country, you know, it might be more essential, which like, yes, that's great. But could we put out boats uh, yeah. with that sort of club? DC is lousy uh, with, with gay people. Uh, and I mean that in the purest sense of the word lousy. And so it's easy. I, I live in DuPont Circle. I have rainbow flags on the lampposts outside my, my apartment. Uh, there are rainbow crosswalks on the street two blocks down. Uh, and so for this first metaphor, <laughs> is this a metaphor? I don't know. For this first metaphor, you know, with, with gay bars, it's nice that I can go to a straight bar and have a good time with friends. And sometimes I go with queer friends and sometimes I go with straight friends and that's nice. But it's also really nice to go to a bar that's gonna play show tunes uh, for four hours on a Monday night, which is what I'm doing tonight. It's also nice that I can go to a bar that, you know, I can take a date there and don't have to worry about getting a, a side-eyed look. Uh, so that's one. And then another example, and I'm stealing this from someone in college who once said something like it to me, is the kind of uh, fraternity or sorority example. Uh, maybe you could use also HBCUs as an example. But when I think of a sorority, uh, that's a black sorority. It's not that the other sororities, you know, are bad. That's great. Uh, I love if you want to join Greek life, go for it. But it's really important to have a, a door that's open where whether you're black or Latino or, or whatever, to have people that you can have that sense of community with. And so it's the same thing as the bar restaurant sort of situation, but it's, it's important to have fraternities and sororities. It's important to have LGBTQ plus organizations. It's important, important, important because representation does matter, but also because you never know where the tides are gonna shift in a few years. You never know if, you know, the Supreme Court is gonna make uh, a decision to reverse Obergefell. We don't know what's coming down the line, um, but having community is, it's important. So I'll say important one more time. It's important. <laughs>
Hell yeah. I, I agree with all of those points. I just, I, I just wanted to, to challenge it and, and hear your thoughts a little bit more, but I do agree with all of them. And I also, I, I have seen Boston's nightlife dwindle as well. I think there's only like, I don't think there's any lesbian bars here. Uh, there used to be the machine, but that closed down. Uh, and I never had a chance to go. So I'm pretty sad about that. I know. Oh, I didn't want to. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't my favorite bar in Boston. <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. Uh, but we have like Club Cafe and then there's another one in Quincy, but that's about it. And I think Club Cafe is very male centric, but I did see on someone's social media the other day, a completely, I, I think it was just queer women on a yacht sailing around Boston. And I saw that and I was like, I, I don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> but kudos. I appreciate that perspective a ton. And something I always tell my friends that I, is that I want to open a breakfast joint that in the morning it's it's two floors um and it's it's a little breakfast joint until about 2 2 p.m you have a little cafe you could do some work there whatever and then close down for a few hours and then burger it's a bar on the bottom dance floor on the top queer friendly space that's my dream that's my retirement dream so yeah. i'm going to make an invitation to the two of you and you should make sure this is in the final cut because then it, okay. i can shame people if you don't come. But uh, you should come visit DC. Uh, there's a, a new space that's open that's called As You Are Bar. They're not a sponsor of DC Strokes, but we would like them to be. And it's exactly that. Uh, cafe in the morning, queer space at night. It was, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it was just recently, as in like last several months, opened by two queer women. So if you're looking for a business model to copy or you can crib some ideas from them, but you should come visit and we'll take you down to the boathouse and we'll give you one of the leftover bottles of wine from the Stonewall Regatta, if they're still around. And we'll, we'll, do the, we'll paint the town red. Oh, that sounds amazing. I will be in the DC area uh, the first week of August. So <sighs> I'm going to be in Vermont. Oh, God. Oh, it's okay. Well, it will not be the last time, I promise. So Kira, Kira and I will make headway down there at oh, some for point. Sure. That sounds amazing. We'll oh. let the public shaming commence if we don't. Yes. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I really, I hope, I hope you get them to, to sponsor you guys. That would be amazing. Our club's development director is my new roommate. I know he's planning to reach out to them. So I hope that we've reached out to them by the time this episode yes. drops. Otherwise, things will be difficult in our apartment. <laughs> We can we'll work send out them this audio. <laughs> this uh, this very niche queer gay rowing podcast. Have you heard yeah. of it? <laughs> Hi, have you heard? Oh, we only have like a hundred a hundred listeners, but that's fine. We love every hundred, every single one of them. <laughs> every single one. If it's a hundred, if it's one, you're awesome. Yeah. Thanks for supporting. You're loved. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely want to respect your time. I'm sure we could just sit and shoot the shit and kiki all we want for hours if we needed to. But I, I'm curious, you know, DZ Strokes has, has done some bold things in the rowing world recently. And I would love to give you the opportunity to share about that a little bit. I would be happy to share. Uh, so about 10 days ago, our club uh, put out a letter. We sent a letter to U.S. Rowing. Uh, about the decision to hold Masters National Championships in Florida. I believe we sent the letter, perhaps we weren't quite yet aware or wasn't on our radar because uh, we're all older folks, 
but youth nationals uh, also in Florida. Uh, I think in spirit, uh, it's there with us. Uh, we were very disappointed and disheartened by U.S. Rowing's decision to have the regatta in Florida. We know from the March 31st letter that U.S. Rowing sent out that it was in conversation uh, with Oakland, California, and Sarasota, Florida, near the very end of that decision-making process. And for a financial reason, this is what the email says, uh, for a financial reason, uh, the decision was to go with Florida in spite of the fact that uh, the Don't Say Gay bill uh, had been all over the news. Uh, It had been all over, um, at least in LGBTQ plus spaces, it was very well known that this is signed into law. Uh, It was also known that the governor's spokesperson uh, said that people who don't support the bill are groomers. Uh, And so for our club, for me, I won't speak for the club, I will speak for me. There are two possible things that happened here. Uh, Number one is that as U.S. Rowing was making this decision to hold masters in Florida. They knew that this was uh, a thing. Uh, They knew that the Don't Say Gay bill uh, had been passed into law and they made the decision anyway. Uh, That's the worst of the two options. They did it knowingly because of money. The second option, which is a more generous take, is that in the decision-making process, they didn't have any LGBTQ plus people either a part of the process or the people didn't feel like they could speak up in a part of the process. And so it was a decision made without consideration for how this might affect our community. That's, I think, a more generous take and it's possible. I don't know who was a part of the process, which is why, oh, that was so smooth, which is why we're calling for three things. Uh, One is it shouldn't be in Florida, not while this is law. And so we're calling for a boycott as long as it's law, as long as this regatta is in Florida, which U.S. Rowing has said this year and next year. So one is a boycott. Two uh, is there should be a venue and or policy that makes it clear what the expectation is. Uh, If you're gonna interact with U.S. Rowing at any sort of event, uh, U.S. Rowing needs to go beyond rhetoric and actually say we're not gonna interact with venues or vendors that aren't willing to sign on to this. And the third, which goes back to what I was saying, uh, the site selection process should be really transparent. It should be clear the timetable for when things are chosen. It should be clear what the kind of contract looks like. It's not that I, Philip, or I, member of DC Strokes, should have a say in contract negotiations. It's that Who's a part of the process? What are the considerations of the process? Is there the opportunity for at least people to weigh in to bring in outside voices where someone might say, hey, did you know that Florida is really bad for LGBTQ plus people? Where there should be a space for that. So one is a boycott as long as it's in Florida and this is law in Florida. Two is a venue and vendor policy guideline, whatever. And three is transparency. I think with transparency, I would like to hope this wouldn't happen again. Uh, Again, that's the more generous take. Uh, I feel, as I said at the start, I feel really discouraged and disheartened by this. Uh, But in the 10 days since we sent that letter, we've had 250 individuals have signed on in support of the letter. We've had 11 
rowing clubs and or rowing groups or affiliated organizations have signed on. I know there are many more uh, that are considering it. And I was saying this to someone earlier today, uh, I won't say names because I don't have their permission to say names, uh, but of those 200 and some odd emails, one such person emailed and said, my son is a teenager who's gay and who's a rower, and this is unconscionable to hold the regatta in Florida. Uh, another person who, again, I won't say names, uh, who's a US rowing referee said, I have a trans daughter and I was horrified, the word is horrified uh, to hear that the nationals is gonna take place in Florida. We've had dozens and dozens and dozens of people say, I'm an out gay rower, an out lesbian rower, an out bisexual rower, an out transgender rower, and this is bad. So it's affecting people. I understand that for a lot of folks, you know, they've booked their hotels and they don't want to go through uh, the hassle of canceling, or maybe they're not able to get a flight refund. So, you know, the travel credit's difficult to deal with. I know for some people, this is their big annual thing, and it means a lot to them because it's where they see friends that maybe they haven't seen in a year or three years or whatever it might be. Uh, and I know that there's community at nationals for a lot of people. But I think where things are at now, I feel very discouraged. I know other individuals who have signed on feel discouraged. Uh, one caveat here is our club is in the process of setting up a time to speak with U.S. Rowing. Uh, we're supposed to speak with a couple of their folks this week. So I don't know what will come of it, but I know that right now on Monday, June 13th, <laughs> I know that right now there's a lot of room for progress on this because the bar is really low right now. Uh, so I hope in a week's time, I feel a lot better, or I hope in a month's time or in a year's time. Yeah, that's, that's where we're at now. I think we'll see where the cards fall, where the chips fall, the cards fall. We'll see where things <laughs> fall uh, and we'll, we'll react accordingly. That was great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we wanted to, you know, we wanted to ask you about it in the spirit of pride. You know, the first pride was a protest. And if we're not offering a space for you, us to be a platform for the things that are important to parts of our community, I mean, rowing world is so important to all of us. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't. And we want it to be a safe and supportive place for everyone to be a part of. So I'm, I'm glad we had the opportunity to share, have you share that out. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Like, I'm, I'm glad we're able to provide that space and, and, you know, you're comfortable enough to stand up and say something. So thank you for, for doing that. And we can link uh, the DC Strokes website in our show notes. So in case anybody wants to read further about all this, they have that opportunity to. Kira, should we, on a, on a nice light note, shall we go into our repeat question? Oh, absolutely. We should do the repeat question, Philip. What TV character, movie character, etc., was your gay awakening? It was Justin, the Blue Power Ranger. <laughs> he had this. I've I've looked up not in a weird way, but I wanted to like look back of like was that really what did it for me? Well, there's two. But I'll do the. I'm just talking about Power Rangers now. He had this like awful, but at the time very popular like 
brown swishy hair and he was like a child like me and I remember thinking like I want to be him uh and I named a pet fish after him and uh the fish died as fish do but the real awakening like the oh this is a problem sort of thing was is it Chris Pines or Chris Hemsworth or whatever it was he was in like the Fantastic Four movie and he was the human torch I feel like that movie came out before High School Musical and Zac Efron still that swishy hair that I no longer go for Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah just in the blue Power Ranger the human torch and uh what was Troy Bolton Zac Efron's character Troy Bolton uh really really just sealed the deal on my sexuality nice yeah, that's a deep cut. That's, that, yeah. <laughs> if anyone listening to this podcast hits that same trifecta, you can reach out to me because we've got a lot. <laughs> we, we are a matchmaking podcast. We are. <laughs> okay, Lizzie, question two. Question two. Philip, what is your favorite boat to row and why? So I really love Oscar Wilde uh, and a lot of our boats are a mixture of like queer-ish things or people or what have you. And so like one of our boats is the Edie and Thea. Uh, we've got the Oscar Wilde. We've got, although I think it's uh, maybe dead, uh, we've got liquid therapy. Uh, our launches, uh, which I'm not rowing in, but our launches, we've got Run Toto Run and we've got <laughs> We Crazy and Seagull. Uh, like secret uh, so we have a lot of puns and I like puns but I love Oscar Wilde uh, fun fact a friend of Oscar Wilde's who Oscar Wilde thought was a really nice person once wrote in his diary that Oscar Wilde resembled a great white caterpillar oh my god <laughs> it's a really mean thing to write about one of your friends uh, I might have to uh, use that insult that's incredible I kind of like it you have to think about it for a second and you're like hold on are you insulting me wow i didn't even think about the fact that your boats would be named really fun names that's so cool that's great we we just purchased uh a new small boat uh don't know if it's a double or a single uh we just purchased a new small boat and as we were purchasing it uh we held a fundraising campaign exclusively around the boat and the amount of money you donated, either you would get votes in the matter, everyone got one vote, you would get more votes, or if you donated a certain amount, you could suggest names. And so people suggested a bunch of names. And so I forget all of them, but we ended up with uh, the ACT UP vote. So I think it's ACT UP or the ACT, yeah, it's gotta be ACT UP. Uh, And so I don't think it's in our possession yet, Uh, but Yes, we we care a lot about making sure our boats are identifiable to us. Uh, Another little plug, uh, something that mattered a whole heck of a lot uh, to our, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm not being respectful of your time at 8 p.m. Something that mattered a whole lot to the folks who were founding our club is that Pink Triangle uh, be an integral part of us. And so it used to be that we had uniforms with pink triangles on it. We no longer do. Uh, but in our logo, uh, which has our oars, uh, there's a pink triangle at the end of each forehead and in all of the oars that 
uh, we row with, uh, there's a pink triangle throughout all of them. And so some people might have their school colors or others might have something more patriotic, uh, but we will always have a pink triangle, a part of, of our rowing experience because it matters to recognize uh, those who have come before us. I love that. Yeah. Oh. I, I was gonna, I was wondering if that's, if that was a part of the logo when I, when I saw the oars and that's awesome. Oh, that's I hope cool. it's the boat pink. It should be pink. No, uh, <sighs> I will pass that along to our operator, <laughs> Ed Wong. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what, I think it might be red or blue mm. or white. It's definitely gotta be one of those colors, which I know is many colors. <laughs> Okay, so our next question, if you had to pick any sport to be good at other than rowing, what sport would it be? I'm going to say not actually, but like wrestling, kind of like hot. Not actually, though. I'd really like to be a good swimmer. My, my parents put me in swim classes, and any friends who have ever gone swimming with me know I'm a horrible swimmer. My body sinks. <laughs> uh, and so I would really like to be good at swimming in a way that I am not good at swimming. What race course has disrespected you the most? So I haven't raced that much. Uh, I'm not, this is a long answer. I'm a super competitive person, but I'm competitive at things that I'm especially good at. So I used to play a game called Star Wars Miniatures and I was one of the top players in the world at Star Wars Miniatures. And so I competed in Star Wars Miniatures tournaments because I knew that I was the best player in Indiana or I knew that I was gonna make the top eight of the world championship. Did it twice, why does that matter? I did that a decade ago. Anyway, what does matter though, is I really enjoy rowing, but I'm a garbage rower when it comes to like actually competing. <laughs> uh, and so I've done the Occoquan before, uh, I've done it rowing and I've done it as a cox because I've got a very, I'm, I'm mouthy. Um, and it was a fine time. Uh, I've got to say that I love rowing on the Anacostia, except the Army Corps of Engineers uh, is slowly but surely letting a sandbar build up in the middle of the river. And oh, the, no. wait list, the wait list for them to clear it is like a nightmare. Uh, and so gradually, uh, I think the Anacostia River is going to become a little more treacherous, a little more challenging for only expert rowers. Uh, but for now, though, uh, you know, it's still fully capable of hosting regattas like the Stonewall Regatta. Uh, but so it hasn't yet disrespected me, but there may come a day soon when it does. Give it time. Yeah, fair enough. There was a whole yeah. lot of that answer. If either of you were my <laughs> therapist, we could unpack that for a while. I, I do so actually know what Star Wars miniatures are, so I feel like actually I feel like I honored <laughs> to be in your presence awesome. in a in a great way. <laughs> uh, I so I got top eight in the world championship two times at Gen Con. Uh, I was the youngest person to do it twice in a row. So nice. I never who who'd have thought would be here? Not me. That's who. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm going to wrap us up, but yeah, Philip, it was a pleasure to get to know you and hear all about DC strokes. We are demanding you come back. Um, Please. and we absolutely will bother you in DC once upon a time. Eventually we will have the whole community shame us if we do not. Um, but I'm so glad we get to chat with you and thank you. Happy pride. Thank you for spending your Monday evening with us. 
No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just, I, I, I Kira, Kira covered it all. <laughs> Sorry, Liz. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I want to make sure that I say thank you. <laughs> you both are delightful. I'll come back on anytime uh, you will have me. Uh, awesome. So thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. And Philip, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me in Washington, D.C. Uh, <laughs> people can find me at sometimes at the Anacostia Community Boathouse. Uh, people can find me. Uh, my Instagram presence is mostly my cats. Uh, I've got two and they're sleeping real close to me. And we'll also uh, give DC Strokes a shout out in our show notes as well. We'll connect all of the social medias there. So if anyone's interested in finding them, we will provide the links. But thanks again for tuning in to the Gay Ergos podcast. If you like what you hear, share with your friends. Uh, Follow, like, subscribe. Shoot me a DM. Shoot us a DM. Um, We've got a lot of love recently. So um, that's been really wonderful. Keep it coming. Stay fun. Stay queer. Make fast boats. Woo!